We're going to wrap up our series today from 2 Timothy called Fan into Flame. And uh, it's very interesting that Deshaun, you know, gets up here and talks about when are you going to die and, 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 and all of that type of thing. And uh, because that's basically that's what we're going to be talking about today is, is kind of Paul's farewell remarks. As he's wrapping up here, time to say goodbye. And uh, Paul knew his time was short. He had had, now when you read in Acts, at the end of Acts, you got this, this epic journey to get to Rome. And Paul is a prisoner, and you know, if you've ever read that, you remember there's a shipwreck, there's all these different things. There's, there's his brothers and sisters going, don't go to Rome. And he goes, I got to go to Rome, and, and, and all of that type of stuff. But evidently, that imprisonment, when he was in Rome, he was released. Uh, he went around doing some more mission work. Uh, the, the evidence is pretty, pretty good that he even made it into Spain, and what is now Spain, to, to preach the gospel and plant churches. But in that time frame, the political climate changed. Nero becomes emperor. Okay, in July 19th, there, well, there was a fire in Rome. You probably heard of the Roman fire. It happened July 19th through the 24th in AD 64. A lot of people think Nero did it to kind of wipe out the ghetto so he could rebuild. But he gets a lot of bad press by it. And so what he does is he shifts the blame to the Christians to get it off of him. And, he, and, and, and the anger and the hatred towards Christians really grows. So Paul is arrested again, and this time he doesn't get out. This time he can't say, well, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a good guy. I'm really unfairly arrested. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. You're a Christian. You're in trouble. And so this time he knows I'm about to die. So he writes this letter to Timothy. This is the second Timothy. He knows this is it. I'm about to go, and uh, he's getting ready to, to lay it on out here, and he's going to, he's going to be beheaded uh, for, for being a Christian. And he's writing his farewell. And so we have it, these words here, and I want us to read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, when he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. You know, it's kind of like what, what uh, Deshaun was saying. What would it be like to know this was my last day? What would you do if you knew your days were numbered and there ain't that many numbers left? You know what I'm saying? We... Well, how would you do it? We have a complicated relationship with death ourselves. I mean, we all know what's happening. We kind of have a fascination and an aversion. Woody Allen once said, it's not that I'm afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> right? Because we have this conflict. you got the Bible saying, and Paul's preaching. He's going, look, it's better to die and go to be with the Lord. And part of us understands that. And we say, okay, it's better to go to be with the Lord. But then there's this physical, worldly side of us that says, it may be better, but let me stretch out this side as long as possible. I don't want to die. It, it reminds me of the three guys that, that went to a funeral. And after the funeral, they were, they were chatting about the service. And, and they go, well, what? And one guy says, you know what? When I go, I want the preacher to say, he, he just loved his fellow man. He helped those in his community. He... He really, really uh, loved people. 
And the second guy says, you know, when I go, I want the preacher to, to look down and say, you know, he loved his family. He loved his kids. He was a devoted husband, devoted, loving father. And the third guy says, well, when I die, I want the preacher to look down and say, hey, look, he's moving. <laughs> we have this conflict. Our text, what we just read, was penned with a, by a man who knew this is it. I'm not getting out. The last chapter of the last book he was going to write. But the kind of confidence from which he approaches the whole subject. The confidence that he approaches death can really affect our faith. Can inspire us when he says it's time to say goodbye because baby I'm ready. I'm ready to go. In the Bible there's approximately a hundred biographies of people to differing degrees. You know some of them are much more involved than others. But about a hundred biographies of people and about two-thirds of them, they don't die well. They either never come to a faith in God, or if they had one, they lost it, they threw it away, whatever. Paul finishes well. He's one of the ones that does it right, and he finishes well. Now for us, out there, somewhere, there's a finish line for all of us. I don't know where it's going to be. Now, some of you down here on these front few rows, you're thinking that's 50, 60 years away. Come on. Now, was it talking about you, Dave? <laughs> maybe starting on the second row. Maybe on back. I don't know. <laughs> but for me, I, I don't know. It all depends. If I look at my mother's side of the family, and if I live as long as they do, I've got 30 or 40 years left. And if I look at my father's side of the family... I got 10 to 20 years left. I just don't know. But I'm here to talk about today, it's not how long you live, but it's how you live, no matter how long it is. We are not in the land of the living moving towards death, guys. We're in the land of the dying moving towards life. And Paul touches on this thought. He says in verse five, 6, I'm sorry, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. He describes his death as a drink offering. His, his impending execution, he says, it's a sacrifice. It's, been, it's part of my sacrifice to God. See, the drink offering, it comes up in Numbers 15. What it is, is, is you know, we, we've, we talked a lot uh, in, in weeks past about sacrifices in the Leviticus class. You know, you bring all your sacrifices, and this was kind of the conclusion of, of, of your sacrifices. You would take wine, and depending upon how big your sacrifice was, you'd take a, you know, a, a quart or a gallon. This is actually a little bit more because they had different measuring systems, but it's close. And that you would pour it out. Sometimes you would pour it directly on the coals, and it would, you know, steam up and such. Or other times they'd just pour it out. And that was the conclusion of the sacrifice. You're now done when you poured that out. And that was called the drink offering. And Paul is basically saying, my whole life has been a sacrifice. Like he shared in Romans 12, 1, when he said, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, now I'm coming to the end, the drink offering part. And I'm already being poured out. It's happening. Everything now is a sacrifice. His whole life was a sacrifice to God. 
And he says, the time for my departure is near. And sometimes that can sound sad, you know, but even the word departure, it's a word that was kind of used, if, it could be translated, it's time to cast off. It was, it was a word used to like a, in a ship, you know, you got the ropes that tied the ship onto the pier, and they were saying, you know, and the, and the captain would go, cast off, that means untie the ropes and throw them, we're leaving. That's what that word was used for, it's time to go, departure. They're thinking they're killing Paul. Paul's saying, hey, I'm sailing away, baby. I'm going on a trip. This is not a bad thing to him. This is something he's looking for. He's saying, I'm being set free. I've been tied, and now I'm being set free. And then to describe it, this departure, this setting free, the reason he's all fired up about it, he uses these word pictures that he borrows from the athletic world to let us know why he's so fired up about this, to let him know why he can finish well. And I want to finish well, and I'm assuming we all want to finish well. Well, let's hear what Paul has to say. How can I finish well? Because we're all going to finish. You might as well finish well. So he goes on and he says, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Let's break these down. The first one, he says, I fought the good fight. I like the reason why he says it's the good fight. Because there's some bad fight. And fighting amongst one another, that ain't the good fight. Okay? Sometimes we look at our Christian life as this struggle, which it is, and we'll get to that word fight here in a minute, but it's like a bad thing. It's a thing to be endured. It's a thing to be suffered through. To make it to something good. He says, no, actually, the fight's good. It's Paul's attitude. Now, the word fight is not fight like this angry, you know, you have a fight with your husband or a fight with your wife or a fight with your boss or that type of fight. It's more of a word that talks about two competing teams or two competing athletes. They're, in a, they're locked in battle, you know. They're both competing to get to something, and to win something, and to accomplish something. And that's what the word is. It's like a contest. And he says, it's a good contest. And it's a, but it is a contest, and it is a struggle. And, and, and if you've been around at any time, you know the struggle. Now, Xavier, he may have just started the struggle. Amen. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Some of us have been around on this team for a long time. And you realize... In a long game, there's a lot of ups and downs. And there's a times when it's easy. There's times when it's a struggle. And there's times when it's a fight. We fight to stay faithful. You got to fight to stay pure, to stay holy. You got to fight to stay focused on Jesus and on the cross and on the prize. Because there's so many distractions. And there is an opponent doing everything they can to take us away. And yes, there's a fight, there's a struggle. There's a struggle not only for our soul, all those first ones were that, but there's struggles for other souls. And we struggle and we fight, sometimes with our own indifference. We fight and we struggle with other people's indifference or false doctrines. Or even the challenge to take the gospel to faraway places like the Ukraine and to Europe or, or wherever. We fight with the challenge of even giving the money. Ah, I can do so much else with this. I need this. 
And we, it's a struggle. And Paul told the church in Ephesus, chapter 6, we struggle against spiritual forces that are not positive spiritual, but evil spiritual forces that are trying to war. But it's like a sport. It's like a team. Now, here's where we get messed up because, you know, we understand sports, right? And in sports, you've got to be the winner. And who, you, you always really you get right down to it. You want to be the star, right? You, you want to be the guy in the poster that's slamming the ball. You don't want to be the guy underneath him going, yeah, you don't want to be that guy. In our Christian life, we, we, we kind of feel that same way. If I'm not the guy, the star of the team, maybe I'm not playing good. We get insecure. We wonder, oh, and you know, we've got to be the star of the game, but that's really not the way it goes. We fight the good fight. He didn't even say, i got to win the game. He said, I'm just in the game. And I'm fighting the good fight. And here's the deal. It's like, this is how the game's going to end. Our Lord is going to throw the, you know, the long bomb, Hail Mary, touchdown pass, and win it at the last second for us. But because we're on the team, we all win. It's kind of like, you remember that old movie, Rudy? I love that movie. And, and, and like, the, you know, like the old, the old, uh, the, the, cause not, uh, what, what's the guy, the guy that groundskeeper? Yeah. You ain't got an ounce of talent. You're tiny, you're small, you know, he just tells you, you ain't got nothing. Except he fought the fight. He'd get knocked down, he'd get back up, he'd get, until at the very end, he got to wear, he got to suit up for one game. Why? Just to put his name on the roster. That's all he wanted. Just want to be on the team. And of course, you know, they throw him in at the last second, you know, and he's running up and down the field, and everybody's good. And it's great. But it's kind of like us. If we just have that attitude of, listen, I just want on the team. I, I, I want to be there. I know I'm not the star of the team. Jesus is the star. Jesus wins the game for us. But if I'm on the team, I get the ring, too, because I'm on the team. I fight the fight. He says, I've finished the race. Life, especially the Christian life, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Winning, in this case, is just not giving up. Winning is just finishing. That is really the goal. Finishing is the victory. It's not so much how fast you go or how many people you pass or anything like that. It's just, do you finish well? That's what it's all about. Paul finished the race, and he finished the race God's way. He talked about it in, in 1 Corinthians 9. He uses this example again, this, this wordplay. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Everybody runs, okay. But only one gets the prize. So run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, you might not win the race, but run like you're trying to win it. Run in such a way, Right? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that won't last, but you do it to get a crown that's going to last forever. Therefore, I don't run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a, uh, a, a, a blow to my body and to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Run this race and run like somebody who's going to win. You've got to run according to the rules. You've got to run the route that's been marked out for you. 
You know what's amazing in my life, my Christian life? Sometimes I often want to run my Christian life my way. I still want to follow Jesus, I just want to do it my way. Right? I want to run the course, but I want to run my version of the course. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's my life, and and a lot of generations, I was trying to think through all of the different songs that talk about, it's my life, and I'll do what I want, and go ahead with your own life, leave me alone, and I don't care what you say anymore, this is my, that was Billy Joel, by the way, it was horrible, but okay, that's what it was. (laughs) I did it my way, Sinatra, I mean, and and we we love that, that's kind of, yeah, did it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not stupid. I'm still going to follow Jesus. But I'm going to do it my way. And we always do that. I, you know, we, we say, I hear this. Uh, I hear it from myself. I hear it from others. I hear uh, things like, yeah, 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 I know that's what about. But you don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. You see, and, and it's kind of like, here's God's grace. But you don't understand my situation. I got to run it this way. I'm an exception, and I know. I, I thought if everybody's an exception, then there is no rule. It's like Monty Python's race for people with no sense of direction. <laughs> that was a throwback reference right there. <laughs> but that's what he says. No, no, you got to finish the race, but you got to do it God's way, on God's course, with God's rules. All we got to do is do it, God, and don't quit. Just run, the, just finish. I was talking with someone a few weeks ago, and they were talking about the good fight and the struggle. I said, how's it going? You know, talking about spiritually, and well, you know, not too good. Okay, okay, fair. It's going all right, kind of fair. I said, have you quit? I said, no. I said, then you're doing great. Then you're doing great. Because I just got to finish the race. I've fought. I've finished. And I've kept the faith. Now this one, it simply means I refuse to compromise the truth. There's the faith and I have kept it. Other people fall away. Paul stayed firm and preached the word. When the world was against him, he paid no attention. When he was tempted to compromise the message to keep from getting persecution and and kickback or maybe even to win more converts, he wouldn't do it. He would preach the full will of God. He would not back down. He would not compromise. He would not preach what people's itching ears or his own itching ears wanted to hear. He kept the faith. And because Paul knew that nothing that touched him Nothing could touch him that didn't come either from the hand of God or at least was allowed by the hand of God. He would not get discouraged by what happened. Whatever happened in his life, he figured this is for God's glory and ultimately for my good. He would stay and be with God even to the very end, even sitting in a cell, chained up, ready and waiting for his execution. This is his attitude. I'm finishing, baby. I've kept the faith. Why? Because he never stopped fighting, he never stopped running, and he never stopped believing. Why did he never stop? Because of verse 8. Because because I know there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. 
He wasn't focused on his present circumstances. He was focused on the future. He was focused on God. I mean, look at how specific he is here. He says, the Lord. Which one is that? Oh, the righteous judge. That one. Nero, the emperor of Rome, may condemn me to death and have my head cut off. But the second that happens, the righteous judge of the ultimate Supreme Court will override Nero's decision and say, you get to have eternal life. You get a crown of righteousness. And he's going to give it to him personally. It's not going to be a committee. It's not going to get it in the mail. The Lord, the righteous judge, is going to award it to him. And he says, and not only me, but everybody that's longing for his appearing. That longing means they're looking for, they're running the race, they're in the fight, they're keeping the faith. Everybody gets this. So be encouraged. The word of the Lord is never stop fighting, never stop running, never stop believing. The best is yet to come. We get so consumed that the best is right now. No, it is not right now. No matter how good it is right now, the best is not right now. The best is yet to come. Keep believing. Stay strong. Put on that armor of God. Hold on to that faith and never give up. Fan into flame the gift of God that he has put in you and finish the race. Because there's a finish line out there somewhere for every one of us. For some of us, it's closer than we want to think. But just keep this in mind. It's really not a finish line. It's a starting line. And that's what God has in store for us. Amen.